Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, and thank you for leaving me reviews on iTunes. As always, it's very much appreciated. Now today's guest is a very rare type of guest indeed. In fact, since I started doing this podcast, what, nearly two years ago now, I've always wanted to speak to one particular type of person, and that was the agents, the people behind the scenes, the people who are in charge of making a lot of things tick. Thankfully, I've now found an agent that has been willing to come on and talk to me. So, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Here is this week's interview. Well, I'm delighted to be joined by a player agent, and the only player agent that's ever agreed to speak to me, uh, Tom Beatty. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, JB. Very well indeed. Uh, busy time at the moment in the market. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's just the way it is, and... And in terms of um, my my position currently, you know, I'm speaking to clubs, players, um, you know, registered who are on board with uh, TDB Sports, uh, the agency, day in day out, and uh, and that's all part of it, and all fun at the same time, and and mapping out their futures, whether that be staying at the the clubs that they're currently contracted to, or potentially looking at new options. Excellent. So, what is the yearly cycle of an agent then? Well, it, it, yeah, I mean. This is where now the recruitment world is become a bit of a 24-7, uh, 365 year uh, industry in that sense. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and I say that because rugby, in my eyes, rugby union is 21 years young yes. uh, as a pro sport. And uh, I know it's ever changing. And obviously, there's been an inflation in the market in terms of uh, salaries. Not only in England, obviously in the, the Viva Prem, uh, but also in the Pro 14 as well. You've seen guys like Johnny Sexton go out to uh, Racing Metro and then return, you know, because of the, the opportunity financially as well as uh, on the field with Leinster and the, the Irish Rugby Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then you've got France Avenue. Now, France is always going to be a, a market that is, a, is, a, is an attraction for a player, a, you know, a, a marquee player or... Um, you know, a, a player who who potentially is not involved in, in international rugby, who wants to try something different in a different environment. Uh, so, and it, but it, but it's all down to uh, a lot of it's to do with the visa permutations in terms of, especially if you're an overseas player, can you qualify to get a visa to play uh, in England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales? Uh, but also on the flip side of that, what you've got in France now, for example is you've got the Laporte rule that's just kicking in, which is a case of 
less uh, foreign players being allowed to sign for the French clubs. And uh, there's a shift there in terms of uh, the percentage of, of French to foreign, mm-hmm. which is, gonna, is making the market that much more difficult, especially if you're a non-French qualified player. So the market, to kind of answer your question, is ever-changing, yes. which makes it interesting from my point of view, uh, sort of managing expectations of the player. Uh, but also, it also makes it quite an exciting uh, industry to work in as well. That's quite interesting, because when you talk about the French rule, I assume that means that there's going to be quite a lot of pressure on, say, English players and Welsh players or people in the UK, as these foreign players can no longer get the necessary squad places over, over in the top 14. Well, that's, yeah, and, and the Pro de Deux as well, which is a very, very good league. Mm. Uh, the French Pro Division 2, is a, you know, you've got guys like Perpignan in there, Grenoble, uh, Biarritz, Bayonne. You know, these are big, big, big clubs uh, in that league or battling to try and get out there and get and retain their status in top 14. Yeah. So you've got a lot of quality overseas players playing, playing their trade with those clubs. Uh, you know, and earning a, a good living and, and, and in terms of where that is now in France uh, with the Laporte rule I call it um, it's currently within the, the match day 23s uh, for top 14 and Pro de Deux, uh 14 out of the 23 have to be French qualified players wow okay it's going to kick on to 15 next season 16 the year after and then eventually it's going to get to 17 now I believe that it's going to stay at 17 so that is a big shift in in the in the the recruitment market, the the movement market, whatever you want to call it, um, especially for overseas players, which are classed as English, Scottish, Irish, Welsh. I see. You know, they are overseas players. You know, they don't fit the, obviously the French rules. So, is there going to be the opportunity still for the marquee guys potentially down the line? The guys like Owen Farrell, George Ford. Um, you know, you've seen Finn Russell obviously go out now to, to Paris next year. In the key positions, I think there always will be a value there. Yeah. So your tight end props, your ball carrying number eights, and your you know you you goal kicking fly halves, guys with a flair like like Finn, obviously. Uh, I think there always will be a, a market for those guys to you know to earn the, the big bucks as it were out in France. But it's going to be a lot harder for for guys perhaps not in that key position uh, mm. to get the kicks over there. So hence you... David Strettel. Yeah. David Strettel, perfect example. Oh, yeah, Coming of course it is. Comparisons. And, and do you think that's yeah. one of the reasons because of the Laporte rule? 100%, JB, 100%. Because you now I believe um, David was enjoying his time out there. He's certainly been performing well. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's returning to a great club, though, isn't he, in Saracens? Because they really, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it... I, I'm meeting there yesterday, and, and, and they really look after the players. So he's going home, as, he, as, as he's talked uh, about there. Uh, you know, in the press release, and, and to be honest, it's great for him to perhaps finish his career at a, a great club. And but at the same time, it, it, it's a situation whereby, you know, perhaps you know I don't represent David, but perhaps his market value did drop slightly in France yeah. because of the non being a non-French player, which actually meant it was being an EQP player, he was more attractive to come back to a Saracens as an English qualified player fitting their quota. Uh, yeah, I guess for uh, you know, from a personal point of view, it's a great landing spot for him too. Oh, great, great for him, great for his family. It, it's just a great club, you know. They're a pleasure to deal with. They are a forward-thinking club. Uh, you know, um, great set of coaches, and you know, a, a club that really 
manages to break new boundaries in terms of how they look after players. So, you know, from my point of view, if you've got a chance for a player to go there, it's always going to be a big consideration to to look at Sarri's. I call them the Man United of uh, uh, of rugby in that sense, in terms of if Sarri's come calling, you you know, you're always going to consider them. You've got to go. Well, let's let's just go back. Not necessarily as... go. Not necessarily go. But give them the option. <laughs> yes, <laughs> give them quite. Well, let's just um, let's just go back a step. Uh, not many people, or I'm sure, well, I don't think many people can go to university and then come out the other side as a rugby agent. So, what is your what's your background? Then, how do you end up doing a job which I think many many people at least think they would like? That's a really good question, JB. And, and to be honest, um, whether it's a bit of luck, whether it's a bit of fortune. I perhaps I believe you've got to make your own look, by the way. But you know, from my point of view, I I, I grew up in the rugby world. Uh, my brother Ross, Ross Beatty, mm-hmm. uh, played from the Hampton Saints, Newcastle, and two stints, Bristol Shogans, at the time as as captain, and also was lucky enough to represent Scotland. So the Rugby World Cup 2003. So I was brought up um, naturally around top pro rugby, which uh, allowed me to build relationships. Uh, both with you know players uh, you know at that time, but also build the links with the clubs mm. um, in terms of you know the the guys that had their had the recruitment up, the academies, you know the CEOs, etc. Um, and, and what I call it is the black book. It's the black book scenario. You build up your black book, yeah. and I was able to to at the end of Ross's career have that opportunity to represent him. Uh, so I did his final deals in his career to go to back to Newcastle. Falcons, where he wanted to go and play his his, his beloved club, um, having been at the Board of Reavers uh, in Scotland, who you know you, you may remember were disbanded by the Scottish yep, Rugby Union. I remember them. And and then his final deal to Ross's final deal to go to Nice, uh, who had like Dan Luger there at the time, Kevin Yates, Mar- Martin Johnson's uh, uh, brother as well, Will Johnson, who was who was heavily involved as, as, as uh, player coach. Oh, sorry, Leith. Uh, and a, a, Sorry? Did you say Leith, then? Uh, Neith. Uh, Neith, Neith, as in, in uh, Neith in, in Wales? The, the beautiful Neith in Cote d'Azur. Oh, right, not Neith, not Neith in South Wales. Well, well, oh, Neith, right, you know, yeah, I'm that with was you. Something that, we at. <laughs> that was something we looked at, JB, but it was, it was kind of a, um, a flip of the coin. Do I, did Ross <laughs> go to Neith in the south of France? You know... Uh, or did he go to go to Nice? And, and we decided that at the time Nice was going to be the move. Uh, very nice. I say, when the earth did Dan Luger play play for Nice? He did. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, he played for Nice. Sorry, not Nice, yeah. my friend. But <laughs> Luke, you know, he's he's a great guy, Dan. Um, he's he's at, he's Monaco based now, as is Ross. Actually, oh Ross really? Has, has moved on into the health and fitness world. Uh, so that's what what that opportunity allowed. And that's a big part of what I do actually. In my big part of my role is is not only what the players do within a... If they have a, a 10 to 12-year career as a pro, yeah, that's a great career. In my opinion, that's a great career. Because completely there's a lot agree. of injury involved, obviously. Um, form, fitness, as it were. And so that's a great career. And if, to be able to then offer a player the opportunity from a transition point of view into life after rugby, that's a big part of my offering. I've been lucky in that in terms of a corporate background that I worked in before getting involved as, a, as an agent uh, officially um, five years ago. So five and a half years ago now. So 
Um, the Nice worked really well because it allowed Ross to set up his personal training business, uh, and now uh, we you know with backing is now actually he's now actually set up a a private members sports facility called Thirty Nine Monte Carlo. Nice, uh, yeah, it, in in sunny Monaco. That's absolutely brilliant. It, it's a, it's a great story, but that's you know you've got to make those opportunities happen, as you know in 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 life, haven't you? And I guess it's those guys like Dan's working in, in finance out there you've got to make these opportunities happen as well haven't you yeah completely agreed now when people think of agents it's often a dirty word because I think they think of you know the you know, Neymar's dad selling his rights to you know Paris yeah. Saint-Germain or some such some such thing so what exactly does it entail to be an agent that's a really good question. We're the necessary evil, aren't we, JP? <laughs> I think that's what we've been describing. Well, look, I, look, I, in my day job, sell uh, pensions, so I know all about ne- like the necessary evil job. You don't need to tell me about it. Yeah. Look, from my point of view, it's how you view it is 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 case by case as an individual, and and, and I see myself as a player manager. Yeah. Uh, who happens to obviously get involved very much so in the negotiation process giving the player the best chance and best opportunities to have the best career. So I have their best interests at all times in place because for me, from my point of view, is I try and think what it would be like if it was the other way around, if I was a player and what I would want from the player manager agent. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, and, and everyone's case by case. What be, everyone's an individual, aren't they? They've got their own uh, you know, qualities and they've got their own outcomes in terms of what they want to achieve. So that, for me, it's about aligning goals with what that player wants to achieve yeah. and, and working to that towards that end uh, in, in its simplest form. And, you know, but at the same time, how it works is, as you know, if you do your bit on the field as a player, you know, it makes things that much more fluid to do the work off the field as the player manager agent. And that's the way I see it. It's a two-way relationship very much. Is you do your business on the field and I'll do it off it. Yeah. And um, but it's that continuous, not only uh, you know looking at what's the best opportunity for the player to progress, but also it's it's actually uh, that personal relationship with with the, with the player, which is uh, what's going on in your life. You know, it, you know, you're happy with how things are going, you know, off the field, and because I think that plays such a big part in how they perform on the field. Yeah. Now I guess the, the awkward part for you is every day you work with these guys, you probably talk to your clients, what, every other day at least? Yeah, whether, you know, a lot of the, every player is different in terms of how they like to communicate, you know, some of the guys like to just do simple WhatsApp messages, catch yeah. up, etc. Some people want more FaceTime, so everyone, it's just case by case, and I think, um, you know, from, from, from my point of view, you, you just adapt to that, and uh, you know, give them the best advice you possibly can. So, when you're talking to the clubs, you're obviously selling selling these guys, people you've got, a, uh, you know, quite a deep personal interest in. It must be it must be hard for you to turn around and have the other conversation. And I'll give an example. I don't mean to say that, uh, and this isn't a judgment on this player's ability whatsoever. But someone say like James Haskell, who is getting a, a lot of money at Wasps, you you might have to turn around to him and say, uh, you know what, maybe you should lower. Low, low, lower your expectations that must be a very hard conversation to have it is because you know very much so because everyone's different you know I, I, I've mentioned that a lot here that everyone's different but it really is the case because some people you know have a real ego on them and, and, and you have to have a little bit of that 
you really have to have self-belief as a pro sportsman to be the very best you can. Mm. And sometimes, you, as, as a player manager agent, you, you have to manage that that ego a little bit and uh, massage it a little bit. But also, there comes that point, and it is a difficult conversation, but it's a real conversation. And that's what I say to the guys: is look, this is this is the real, reality, okay? And and obviously, you've got the choice of how to deal with that reality, which is there is the opportunity at this club or your current club or another club. Actually, there isn't. And, and, you know, what we've got to do is work together to, to you know, get you the very best opportunity as a player to, to kick on from that. And, and everyone deals with disappointment in a different way. But the way I see it is you can either, you can sink or swim. Yeah. You know, and it's dead simple. You, you can actually use that disappointment as motivation or, unfortunately, you can go the other way, which is, you know... Um, perhaps not kick on with your career and and I think it's tough when to have those difficult conversations JB to sum it up but at the same time unfortunately at times you know it has to be done how how important is talent evaluation in your role talent ID is, is crucial I mean it's about work it goes back to the black book which is is having guys in that black book who, who know players and know quality from a young age it's the key the key with with rugby now is the academies you, 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 you every club's got to get the academy right mm-hmm. in, in my opinion you get your academy right and then and then you're able to re- recruit good players outside of that you've got a winning formula so from my point of view it's it's about identifying working with with key scouts uh you know that I, that I have relationships with around you know not only the UK but also globally and rugby player nations to to identify that, that potential player that, that could come through and and be really successful um, as a pro player. So, it, yeah, it's massively important in terms of how the players screened. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I was in Cape Town before Christmas. Luckily enough, uh, Dimitri Katsukilis's wedding, who, who represent Harlequin, top man, uh, Dimitri. Uh, how is he getting on with him? It was sorry. How is he getting on on with his injury? Uh, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a real shock, and I was at the game with his his dad against Gloucester in September time. Yeah, it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice to see because you know you got that bond with the player, the guy's great guy, great family, and you know he yeah, it's a throat injury. Mm. Um, he's recovering well from it, really well from it. He's a really positive guy, and you know he he's a watch this space thing in terms of his return to play. Um, he'll come back when it's right, and, and that's been managed so so well by Harlequins and the medical staff. There, it's been fantastic with Dimitri from day one. And um, I would personally like to thank Harlequins uh, for all their efforts. It's been very good. Uh, that that's really good to hear. Uh, sorry, I, I, I interrupted your answer about talent ID there. I think I was about to interrupt you as well, there, buddy. But look, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I was, I was with, had the, the pleasure of meeting up with Ernst Schubert, if you, you remember the Saris, number eight. He was very successful yeah. winning trophies with Saris. Now, now, since his retirement, he's returned back to SA, South Africa, and he's actually heading up the Stellenbosch Academy. Um, and it's phenomenal. I think it's Johan Rupert, the owner of Saracens, that's, that's behind the really? behind it in terms of the finance. Yeah. And it is phenomenal. Like The, the play, players can go out there at a young age and be scre- totally screened in terms of you know where they're currently at and where they can be in terms of um, you know their player development. You know everything from a con- conditioning, nutrition, etc., to giving them a real pathway that will allow clubs to to understand the type of player that that, that may be coming on board. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it was, it was great. And I think what I said to Ernst is what a what a great um, you know what a, what a what a great uh, platform that you've got here for guys to kick on. 
and um and there's a lot more of that now throughout the world. You know, that's just one example. You know, a lot of it happens in New Zealand, well, um, obviously. You know, so I think England are, are really now starting to get ahead of the curve as well, with especially with the academies in terms of the junior academies. So yeah. guys that are still at school or in the ACE colleges, um, giving them that opportunity to, to kick on and, and uh, experience what pro rugby is all about. Well, what are your views on academies such as the Montpellier Academy, which is based in South Africa, because people will turn their nose up a bit and, and say, hang on, are you not just taking the best and brightest from South Africa to get them qualified for a different nation or to get them into XYZ club, which might not be South African? That's really interesting. You've just told me something that perhaps I didn't know about. Um, so, uh, look, I mean, the, Montpellier is a massive club, as we know, and there has been some South Africans that have gone over there. Uh, and been very successful, as we know. You know, mm. the Duplessis brothers are there at the moment. Well, Dimitri was and, there, was he not? Uh, yeah, Dim Dim came over from from there, obviously, for the start of uh, pre-season that, this season. So in in July last year, and having a having a great time. They loved it there. Um, big club and uh, Altrad, great owner, really really good guy, really positive guy, and uh, you know he won the European Challenge there as well. Ironically, beating. Beating Harlequins in the final, if you recall. <laughs> so, um, no, they, they have had a strong link with staff. Obviously, Jake White was there as well at the time before Vern Costas come in. Now, as you know, so um, look for, for for there's different ways of skinning a cat, isn't there? Your key is, is getting the very best recruitment, getting the very best players on the pitch, as well as having a strong academy. So every club's got a different way of doing things and, and have a different um, outcome in terms of what they want to achieve, and that's what makes it really interesting in my job because. No clubs the same, um, and I think you know the, the more relationships they can have. I guess you like some Montpellier, Toulon's, um, you know, Breve have had a strong link out in, in Fiji, I believe, mm. over the years. Um, you know, to try and have that point of difference is, is something that clubs are always trying to achieve. Now, as your uh, in your life as an agent, uh, mm. when. When are you allowed to start talking to players coming through academies? Is there a process for it? Is there some sort of, um, you know, I'm trying to think, like young player symposium where they meet lots of agents, or is it just a one-to-one who you know? Look, I, I, we're we're regulated as agents, as official agents, okay, uh, by the RFU as RFU agents. So there's a different process, etc., that it goes through that in terms of the registration, in terms of. You know how you regulated, etc., which is on an annual basis, mm. um, and it works really well. The RFU have put a really good system in, in place with the ARA, uh, the, the, the Agents um, Association, that's headed up by Tony Copsey. Um, and, and I think in terms of in terms of the, what you just said there, in terms of the, the young, it, it's very much a process of, from my point of view, in terms of the way I do things, which is very much uh, parent-driven uh, involvement. You know, yeah. Um, from my point of view, I totally get it as a parent, which would be like, well, what's this guy wanting from my son? Yeah. You know, especially if they're a 16, 15, 16-year-old. And I, I don't tend to sign any player when they I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Age of 15 or 16. You know, some agents might do that with parental and guidance, which, the, which has to be part of it in terms of any contractual side of things, especially in the 16 upwards. Um, but I, I don't tend to do that because I feel... Uh, you know, when they're an adult, which is which is 18, that, that is the, um, you know, 17, 18 in terms of parental guidance, still inv- heavily involved, is the right time for them to get re- representation. But I think they need to have it because mm. I think it protects them, it protects both, all parties. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that clubs will exploit a, uh, a young player or any player, but it protects you from that in terms of having another voice. Mm. And I think, think uh, you know, from my point of view, I'm very, very... Um, I'm very, very uh, keen on making sure that the player is protected from a young age so that they give them, give them the very best chance of, of going through the pathway and being successful. So when is your preference to get hold of a player? 18? Something like that when they've kind of got into a club? I, look, I will, I will have conversations with, with the parents mm. uh, and, the, and you know, the guardians and the player perhaps before the age of 18. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Like I say, it's case by case. There's, there's a couple of guys. If I don't speak to these players, let's put it in black and white. If I don't speak to these players and, and give give TDB Sports the very best chance of representing some of this talent, then someone else will. Yeah. You know. So it's one of those ones where you know it, it has to be treated delicately and with respect uh, to the you know, the parents of the, of the player and, and the player uh, themselves. But um, look at. If I'm building relationships from the age of 15 up to 18, that's fine without any contract in place. But I think when they get to 18 or pushing 18, um, I think that's the right time to to get something done formally. Now, with the influx of money into the UK game, in particular the English game, actually, you've been around for for a a fair bit of time now. Are you noticing the agency market getting a bit more competitive, a bit more, I want to say professional, because I think everyone's been professional, but the organisations are certainly getting bigger. Look, I had this conversation a while ago with with Scott Johnson, uh, who's the head of the Mm. director of rugby of Scottish rugby, and he came down to the agents' conference, and he uh, he said, geez, there seems to be an inflation of agents here. (laughs) And I (laughs) I think he was absolutely on the money. In the sense that uh, there is, there seems to be an increase because I think it goes back to the point that you asked, uh, you, you mentioned earlier about the process of becoming an agent. And it, you know, some people might see it as quite a sexy role, mm. uh, you know, being a player agent, whether that be rugby, football, you know, cricket, wh- whatever that sporting discipline may be. And um, I think there's a big, you know, there's definitely some truth to that. But the reality is, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that some people don't see. Um, like any job, really, that perhaps isn't as sexy. Uh, but you know, I, I think think in terms of the market, is, is there too many agents for players? In terms of the amount of players? I think we're getting to a point where there probably is. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and that perhaps it probably is. I mean, no, that's not something I want to, you know, say is, is, is set in stone. And, um, you know, I, I think the way I see things is, 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 is in terms of comp- competition or other agencies or whatever is, um, look, all I can do and all TDB can do is do the very best for our players. Yeah. And we hope that all the players will be happy as a result. And we, so we don't tend to concentrate on what other guys are doing because that's up to them. But we just say to, to our players and guys, we will we'll work really hard for you. So we'll, we'll give you everything, um, the opportunity to be the very best you can be. And, and that's really all we can do. And, and that involves a negotiation, but also um, off-field in terms of... Um, you know, liaison with the, with the coaching staff at their, their current clubs. So anecdotally, you're not finding the increase in agents, meaning that occasionally you get a phone call from one of your guys saying, hey, I've, I've just had, um, you know, Global Bro Sport or someone on, uh, on, uh, on on the line asking if I'm represented, that that sort of thing. Hey, look, um, that's a really interesting question. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it happens, it happens. It does happen. Mm. I can't say it doesn't happen because it does. I'm not going to mention any agencies that, that have done it um, or any individuals because it's. Uh, I would, don't feel that's correct to do that. Yeah. But it does happen. And some players' heads get turned, by the way. And, and, and you know, some of the players, some of the things that are said to the player are, well, are interesting because, you know, they get fluffed a little bit in the nicest possible way. Yeah. They, they get told that they're worth more than they're on now uh, salary contract wise and uh, you know they get told that they can be the face of Adidas or the face <laughs> of you know uh, Nike or, or whatever and, and, and I think there's some players who will fall for it and say actually I want to go and work or be represented by that agent yeah. some players will actually see past that and say actually I'm not sure you can do that for me and I'm quite happy with with my current representation yeah, so you find out, but you find out about people, don't you? Though in the nicest possible way, without being too critical, you find out about people in terms of, you know, um, who they are. Yeah. And, uh, and has it happened? Yes, it has happened. You know, it has happened, and some some of the players have fallen for it. And good, but good luck to them is the way I see it, because you know it's a small industry, and I just say, look, good luck to you. You, you know, if especially if they're out of contract, if they're out of contract with you as an agency, then obviously they're free to to go and join another agency. It's the one that you sometimes, um, where they play it, what you want to call it, have been tapped up or misrepresented. That's where it gets a little bit tricky. Yeah, I guess in a salary cap situation as well, there's not really that much room for improvement. You've either got the deal, which is market value, or you haven't. And clubs actually can't afford to overspend. Look, it's, it's come to a point now, uh, JB, which, and I had this conversation with the director of rugby earlier, uh, and it's come to a point now where actually there's a little bit of realism after the last couple of years because cl- a lot of clubs, have, uh, uh, without mentioning names of clubs, which is, is not right, I think have maybe overspent a little bit, not mm. gone over the salary cap as such, not gone over the salary cap at all, but um, perhaps because you've got to look at it, and you can look, you look at it at a business, haven't you? You've got to look at it as what is our revenue? What would you actually bring into this business? Well, if you look at the Premiership Club, they're looking and they get the BT monies, which is huge for a club. They get the RFU funding, which is huge. You know, um, if you know, if they're lucky because it's a, a tough competitive market, the sponsorship world, they have a, a really good sponsor who, who you know is really supportive in terms of what monies they put into the club as well. And then obviously you've got your gates. 
and your, and your merchandise sales, etc. Um, you know, some of the clubs, they're in a good position mm. in terms of the sustainable. They've got, you know, those revenue streams working really, really, really well, whereas some of them haven't. So as a result, if you're, in, you know, it's an inflation in player wages and you've got more going out than coming in. When does that stop? Because you look at London Welsh put in the scenario in the league below, in in the champ. You know they, they have to start again. They went, they, you know, they went bust basically. Mm. And what we've got to be careful. I think what clubs are now realising is actually well, maybe this year we've got to rein it in a little bit. So does that make it harder if you're out of contract as a player? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because uh, perhaps this year's perhaps this year's not the best year to be out of contract. Ah, that's, that's actually really interesting because I guess it's only Exeter that are currently making money. There might be another one somewhere, but as far as I know, it's only it's only Exeter. Look, I mean, Exeter. I mean, as we talked, you know, I know you've interviewed Don Armand. Yes, I have. Great guy. Yeah, what a player. I'm biased, but what a player. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, so I, I, I'm in touch with Don a lot, and, and I speak to Rob Baxter, and, and actually met Tony Rowe the Glasgow oh, really? game week I went up to watch Glasgow versus Exeter and you know it's an inspiring story what they've done done Exeter but it's kind of it's kind of um, chance and opportunity in the sense that there's not really a lot else going on sporting wise in Exeter I think there's a football team there isn't there and they've got strong they've yeah. got, but they've got a really strong university that feeds into the academy Exeter Um and they've also, from the foundations of a club, the foundations in terms of what they've done is phenomenal, you know, and, and, and it's a really organic uh, club in terms of its growth and its support from not only the people of Exeter, but also the corporates and, um, the, you know, the partners that they have. It, it, it's a really good model. You know, you've got your David Lloyd on site next door, you know, you know you've know, you got it all under one roof in terms of the, the actual um Sandy Park Centre, which is used really, really well for conference and banqueting um, throughout the week, and it, it's a it's a really good model. And I think a lot of clubs uh, can't necessarily follow that model because of ownership of land and what they or what they don't own. Yes. Um, but with Exeter, they've, they've got a really good model because of of everything around the club that allows them to to be a sustainable business. Now, you just spoke briefly about maybe a bit of player wage contraction um, now just imagine the scenario which you have every, pretty much every year players coming up for contract negotiations or you're looking for, for a new club without giving, all, giving away all the state secrets what sort of things do you do to build a case to put forward to the director of rugby I mean is it as far as you know uh, building all his video highlights with commentary mm. and statistics what, what is the process You've just you've just hit the nail on the head a little bit at the end there, actually, JB. Because you know, especially if it's a player that's potentially looking to move on to another club, they want to see footage. Mm. They want to see uh, you know the qualities of that player. What could potentially add to to their group of players? You know, their profile, um, which can, the word profile gets talked about a lot in in sport. You know, what is their profile and how will that profile fit into what we're all about? And you know, that profile, you know, is obviously vision in terms of seeing what they can or perhaps can't do and what needs to be worked on etc and how that um, you know how that's managed but also it's yeah you know you, you, everything from and it goes back to what I talked about there about the Ernst Schubert scenario with Tillemosh in terms of screening of a player Yeah. so in terms of where they're at with their fitness levels whether that with their strength levels where they're at with um, 
you know, their uh, development um, as a, a specimen, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and in terms of that due diligence that a club does, uh, every club does it slightly differently, but it's it's now become so much more uh, a big factor in terms of a club won't find a, a player blind, mm-hmm. you know, anymore, regardless of, of references that they might get from some key people within the game about the player. They want to see the player either live or through footage highlights, um, games, recorded games that are able to be viewed. Oh, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, so that's for a player potentially moving on. For a player currently um, at their, their club and looking to be retained, mm-hmm. then, you know, obviously it depends on how well they've gone within that season or the last or a couple of seasons of yeah, so, their contract. So do you find yourself taking directors of rugby or scouts over to games of players that are out of contract just because they, they want to go and watch them? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think in terms of the, um, that situation, there was always that, that, that happening. Um, and sometimes a player doesn't know it's happening. And then sometimes you'll get a phone call off a director of rugby or a chief scout, whatever, and say, oh, I, 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 you know, I watched Johnny the other day and I thought he was, you know, was very, very good or actually perhaps he needs to work on this before we'd consider, uh, you know, certain areas of his game before we'd consider uh, potentially, um, you know, offering him a contract to go go to that club so um, yeah there's a lot of unseen due diligence uh, that goes on and uh, that makes it quite interesting actually when you get these phone calls or you make these phone calls and you hear that the player that you represent has been watched excellent and I imagine it's all horses for courses too so you know if you're selling someone Steve Diamond send them all all, uh, all of your players rolling malls and if you're sending them to Aaron Major make uh, make sure it's lots of uh, slick hands yeah, no. Every 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 coach, director, rugby wants something different. Um, you know, just because one club might say to you, "Well, we we don't rate that player, or we don't want that player type of player," doesn't mean that the club down the road will say the same thing. By the way, yeah. And it's just it's just opinion. It's opinion, and actually, that player, how they get. I've heard so many different opinions on one player. At times, you think, "Wow, this is incredible," and you kind of have to take a step back and actually think. You know who's right and who's potentially wrong here in terms of their opinions, mm. but I'm not. I'm not sure it's actually it comes to that. It's actually case by case because um, every player, every uh, whether it be scout, director of rugby, head coach, whatever you want to call it, academy manager, has in their eyes what they're looking for, and perhaps that player doesn't doesn't always fit that. Whereas another. Um, you know, a club down the road, as it were, might think actually that's what we're looking for, and that player does fit that. So, I say case by case. Now, what are the directors rugby like to work with? Are they relatively open with you about what they want and when they want it? Uh, are these decisions, which you know, obviously as fans we don't get to see, are they driven mostly by you know the fit into the scheme of the club, or is it just who is available right now? Who 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 can we sign? Yeah, I mean, some some yeah, I mean, look. Um, the relationship you have with the director of rugby is key in terms of um, in terms of recruitment, in terms of uh, being able to best represent your 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 players that you know currently you know um, under your banner as an agency. Uh, but also, you know, it may well be a case that actually a director of rugby says, "Look, I want to sign a world class tight end next year. Uh, do you have any?" Well, you know, or can you speak to your partners globally to try and find that, mm. that individual? 
And, you know, that happens quite a lot. So it may be a case of actually me going to my partners in South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, you know, Japan even, and actually saying, look, this is the profile that the, the, the club want. Uh, do you have, have that player that can, can fit, fit uh, that profile and, and make a real impact? Oh, I and, see. Um, and that's, that's, you know, it's about the global network, JB. I, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, it's about the Black Book Global Network. And um, and that comes through through time in terms of just building relationships, and uh, harnessing them. And how are the D- the, the DOs to deal with? Have you got any in particular that you really like like uh, like to deal with? They're all fantastic, JP. Every last one fantastic. of them, equally as fantastic all as amazing. the next. They're all, they're they're, they're, <laughs> they're a joy to deal with. All of them, all of them. Excellent. Well, I'm going to ask you just a, a couple more questions, and I'll let you get on with your evening. But uh, I'm fascinated to know, because we started with Talent ID, or at the very start we had a, a bit of a chat about it. Um, how did you find a player the quality of Don Armand? Because before he was over here, I'd never heard of him. He had a handful of caps at the, at the Stormers, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best back rows in the country. Uh, in fact, we dedicate about 10 minutes per podcast to him uh, every, uh, every Egg Chasers. So how did that yeah. relationship come about? Look, um, it's, I think it's a point I mentioned earlier, which, uh, you know, in terms of relationships with, with global partners, and one of the things that I did when I started out as an agent uh, was very much look at the market and say, how can I offer something different, bring something different to the market, mm. uh, rather than just be the same as every other agent? And one of the things I realized was actually, you know, if you look at the game globally, you look at South Africa, you look at New Zealand, Australia, there are going to be a number of, uh, of quality players within those um, countries who are qualified to play for England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Mm-hmm. All right. So I just went. I went to, to build relationships with Asian partners, and, and I built one with a a organisation um, South Africa called Insight Management. Now, Insight Management were actually the guys that were representing Oscar Pistorius at the time. Okay. okay. But they had a yeah. So they had they had a rugby division, and um, which in, included Don. And a guy called Stephen Canoop, who's a fantastic guy, who was Don's agent in South Africa. Really great guy. I think he's in Ireland now. He's not working the player management game, but he's in Ireland, I think, uh, coaching, I think. A really, really good guy. And, uh, you know, built a relationship with, relationship with uh, Stephen or, or Canoop. Um, Snoop, I think. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and, and Don, we had opportunities because he was at the Storms, but he was English qualified, so he was a grandparent. So that really meant that I was able to get his profile in the nicest possible way and go to the clubs over here. And we had various offers on the table. So he had, he had a uh, situation um, where he had to decide which club he, he went to. And uh, Rob Baxter, you know, open and honest guy, you know, as he is, you know, had those conversations with Don about Exeter and about the plan and the vision and, and how Don potentially could fit into that plan. And, um, yeah, it, and it was a case of doing that deal, working with, with, uh, with Stephen at the time. Fantastic. Uh, right, well, I'm going to give you two, two last questions, okay? And uh, mm. then you can get on with your evening and, re- and representing your players. But <laughs> give me one thing you'd like to see the, agent, the agency market doing better and one thing you'd like to see it stop doing or at least do less of. I think there's two things. I think there's two things. Um, I think as agents, we, we need to be protected more. 
mm-hmm. by by the clubs in in, 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 in in that sense. Because what I mean by that is um, the players are very well protected in terms of their contracts that they have with with the clubs, um, both in terms of health insurance, etc. And, and and they have that option mm. uh, to also take extra uh, insurance out as well, which is something that I recommend to all my players yeah. uh, for career-ending example. Um, so obviously, if, if, if a player had to stop playing rugby tomorrow they, and they, they had their career-ending insurance in place, they'd get a certain amount of, 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 of monies um, for a period of time, which, which would help them move on to the next phase of their life. Well, from our point of view as agents, we've got fees in place with clubs that are fixed in we've done all that work to get that player there suddenly that player has to stop playing rugby we don't get paid any more of the fees I see yeah and you kind of think well actually how can you build a a business in terms of uh, planning etc to ensure that and it's a and for me I think there needs to be a bit of um, perhaps a a consideration from the clubs working with the agents actually will help protect you as well uh, as the player um, so that's something I, you know, you know, to be able to, you know, continue to build your business in, in the most positive way, and um, and also for your time, the work you're putting in, and 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 in terms of, um, you know, going forward, you know, it's interesting to see what might happen in the agency game, you know, in terms of, you know, whether there be a, a FIFA license, as it were, in terms of uh, World Rugby license. Um, you know that, that that could be something that might happen. It might not, because obviously, from my point of view, I'm able to work in the in the UK in terms of um, deals over the line. I, I deal with the clubs in France, yeah, uh, but I work with partners there to finalise those deals, um, and and we're all over in Italy and South Africa, New Zealand, and Australia, where we've got players as well. So, um, but it'd be interesting to see whether that might happen. No, it might not, but it, it might might happen in the years to come, where you have a, a world rugby license that allows you to. Um, you know, work with every club. Excellent. In terms of in terms of signing off final deal. And something which you'd like the agency market to stop doing or do less of? Um, <laughs> it's a good good question. Um, I think, and this is nothing against any other agent because we've all got our, our jobs to do um, and work very hard for our players, I guess. Uh, but perhaps be a little bit more honest. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit more transparent, and because I think as a player, I think that's what you need to have, mm. um, and that's not bigging me up as an individual, but it's something that I do offer all my players. Is I'll tell you exactly how it is, and, I, and I'll in the most positive way, by the way, because that's the way I'm as a person, individual. But I think if we can kind of get away from the sort of uh, situation that does happen where some agents will say to your client oh I can do this this and this when actually they can't mm. or perhaps you know um, might not fulfill uh, and, and, and sell a dream as it were but I think um, in, in, in an ideal world JB is what we're trying to say because we don't live in a perfect world it could make things a lot more fluid right well if you're an aspiring player and you want to sign sign up or say hello? Where can we find you on social media, Tom? Uh, you've got uh, the Twitter handle, uh, which is my personal one, Tom D B T. That's B A T T I E. So Tom D B T, and the the company uh, Twitter handle is T D B underscore Sports. And also on Facebook, you can uh, contact us and reach out to us. 
at TDB Sports, a dash representation with integrity. Fan- fantastic. Right. Everyone go uh, uh, sign up there, visit it, follow it, say, say hello, all, all those other great things. Tom, you've been an absolutely magnificent guest and we'll definitely have to have you on again soon. JB, checks in the post. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 